KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM and KXRWLP Vancouver at 99.9 FM. Streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. From the Center for Investigative Reporting in PRX, this is Reveal. I'm Al Ledson. The people of Harlan, Kentucky, remember the unidentified woman who was brutally murdered in the summer of 1969. The body of a young girl was found on Little Shepherd Trail. She uh, had been stabbed in the chest multiple times. They called her Mountain Jane Doe. She could not speak for herself and no one was speaking for her. I wanted people to remember her and she deserved a voice, so I spoke for her. Dollar Jackson grew up in Harlan and she was determined to figure out who the girl was. Her determination eventually led the police to a hillside grave. There's a place in the casket. And turned a who is it into a who done it. Do I think people know something? I think somebody knows something. That's today on Reveal. But first, this news.
She may be there, but will officials find her? And how did...
customer, NamUs, has a database. It's two big lists, really. One is a list of unidentified bodies, Jane and John Doe's. The other is a list of people who've been reported missing. NamUs tries to match the two. It's like a raffle. One ticket alone doesn't do it. You need the other ticket with the matching number. The DNA, fingerprints, and dental profile of the Jane Doe ticket have to match the profile of the family ticket. We want to reunite families. We want to send them back home. We want to give them their name that they were born with. Amy Dobbs is an investigator for NamUs. So the system had flagged several possible matches based off of height, weight, date. In Mountain Jane Doe's case, the database flags four missing women who could be a match. Women who were about the same age, who disappeared around the same time. Amy's job is to collect DNA samples from their families. We want to gather as many relatives as we possibly can to strengthen that DNA profile. To build that profile, Amy goes out into the field to collect DNA. Basically, she drives to people's homes and asks them to put a Q-tip in their mouth. It's called a buccal swab, and we collect its skin cells from the inside of the mouth. She takes the Q-tip back to the lab where scientists use those skin cells to create the DNA profile. But without Mountain Jane Doe's DNA in the system, there's nothing to match it to. And for now, the skeleton is sitting on a shelf at the lab in Texas. There's a backlog of cases that's months long. Like the coroner said, it's a waiting game. And then finally, almost a year after the second exhumation, in September of 2016. Today we finally learned the answer to a question investigators in Harlan County have been asking for almost half a century. Who is the Mountain Jane Doe? DNA testing confirms the body is that of Sonia K. Blair Adams. Sonia K. Blair Adams disappeared from her home in Letcher County, Kentucky when she was just 21 years old. Her name was Sonia K. Blair Adams. Sonia K. Blair Adams. My mother was uh, Mountain Jane Doe, and her name was Sonja K. Blair Adams. We're in Karen Stipe's living room, sitting on the couch. She's a strawberry blonde, just like her mom. People tell me she was a good person. She was kind-hearted, and, uh, you know, people liked her. We heard from Karen earlier in the show. She's the one who saw the TV newscast in 2009 and called the number on the bottom of the screen. But when Karen called in, the person who answered told her no. Mountain Jane Doe couldn't be her mother. He said she was younger and didn't have any children. That it couldn't be her. They were wrong. But Karen didn't give up. With help from her kids in Tennessee, eventually she found out about NamUs. They swabbed Karen and her kids for DNA. NamUs was a wonderful one. It didn't cost anything for me or my children that done it. Uh, NamUs done all of that. She shares some pictures with us on her laptop. So I do have a better picture of her. Karen has her mother's eyes. It's amazing to see a photo of her after all this time, and it makes it all really sad. There's nothing ever going to make it good that I didn't have a mother. You know, I would have loved to have had a mother and known her. But there's nothing can bring that back or change it, because, you know, even my children, they never had a grandmother because of this. It's actually sad, you know, but I'm glad that she's identified now. A few days later, Karen makes the long drive to meet the coroner at his funeral home in Harlan. She's here to take custody of her mother's remains, and she allows us to be there with her. 
We're in a small room. There's a plain cardboard box on a table, the kind you'd use to ship something in the mail. It's just a few feet long. The coroner opens it with a box cutter. He turns to Karen and he asks her. You ready for He takes out different sized bundles wrapped in brown packing paper from the box. He places them on a table and unrolls them. So this would have been from a arm, maybe. Karen takes her mother's skull from the brown paper and gently cradles it. I told my husband, I said, you might think I'm weird, but I just want to touch your bones, you know. Unfortunate is what I would tell her that you have to meet. Bones. Karen wants to have a proper burial for her mother in the coming months. This is where Darla Jackson comes back into the story. I meet up with Darla at the funeral home she owns. She's the woman who wrote a book about Mountain Jane Doe back in 2009 that got the attention of investigators. Her first burial and service was given to her without her identity. And I thought it would be fitting for her to have a service and funeral as Sanja. I'm with Darla in the parlor room of her funeral home. The place has a classic feel. It's a hundred years old with dark wood floors and banisters. We're waiting for Karen to come over to meet Darla for the first time. I wanted to speak with Karen about offering her a funeral. Hopefully we will plan out a beautiful service for Sanja that is 47 years late. Darla and Karen have been trying to press the two pieces of this puzzle together for so long. The whole time, neither of them knowing the other one was just one county away. Sounds like someone's trying to come in. Hello? Hi. Hi. I, I'm good. You I are feel like I know you. <laughs> I feel like I know you. Yeah. It is so good to finally get to you meet too. you. Thank you. And I, I'm Darla. I know. You're Karen. <laughs> I feel yes. like I know you. Yes. You know, I appreciate everything you've done. I well, can't tell you what it means. Well, I'm just so happy for you. You don't know how happy I am <laughs> that you finally get get to learn some things. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, I know. And I appreciate everything you all done because, you know, that's helped me to get here. It did good. Good. Yeah, it that's did. why I did it. That's why I did it. So you could... You done it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Karen wrote a letter to her mother, and she wants this part of it engraved on the tombstone. As a little girl, I remember praying and praying that you would come and get me. Something I would have never known that I had to come get you. You had to go get your mom. It was a bittersweet reunion for Karen. Now she knows for sure why her mother never came home. 
and that her mom didn't leave her. She was taken from her. But it opens up more questions. As far as closure, there'll be no closure for me until they find who killed her. Because whoever killed her, you know, they've already got away with it for 47 years. I don't think they need to be getting away with it anymore. And I will never be happy unless they get who done it. You're listening to Reveal. Support for X-Ray FM comes from our listeners, as well as Brass Tack Sandwiches, providing house-made ingredients and responsibly sourced sandwiches to meat lovers and vegans alike. Brass Tacks is located on North Vancouver and Fremont. More information online at BrassTackSandwiches.com. Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. This is Reveal. I'm Al Edson. Today, we're telling the story of Mountain Jane Doe, a murder victim who was unidentified for 47 years. In the fall of 2016, she finally got her name back, thanks to a DNA match to her daughter and grandkids. Her name was Sonja K. Blair Adams. She was just 21 years old when she was murdered. The match answered one question for Sonja's daughter, Karen Stipes, but it opened up many more. Reveals Michael Schiller joins Karen on a trip back to the place her mom's body was found on Pine Mountain in Kentucky. We're up on Little Shepherd's Trail. It's on top of a mountain. You can see for miles from up here. Mist swirls through the valley below like a river swallowing the thick forests of Appalachia. Sanja Kay was found 50 feet off this one-lane dirt and gravel road in 1969. I just always wanted to come and see exactly where her body was found, you know, to see see the spot. I don't know how to tell you how it feels. Karen has never been to the exact place where they found her mother's body until today. It's an overcast afternoon in October of 2016. The leaves have mostly turned shades of amber, brown, and red. I hope maybe we can uh, mark this spot somehow. 
The identification of Sanja K. Blair Adams was a surprise to some, but not to Karen Stipes, who already knew with every fiber of her being that Mountain Jane Doe was her mother. Like I had told the coroner, if it had came back and said that it wasn't her, I would have never believed it. You know, I mean, I just, I knew that it was her. And I kept telling them, I know it's her, you know. How did you know? I, I know you all can cut this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't know we was going there right now. I, okay. Do you want to cut? I turn off the recorder and Karen takes a deep breath. Then she tells me how she knew Mountain Jane Doe was her mom. When Karen was a child, her grandmother told her something so awful. She didn't want to say it on tape, but she said we could. Her grandmother told her, you're going to grow up to be a whore like your mother. And she ended up naked and stabbed on Little Shepherd's trail. That's where Mountain Jane Doe was found. My grandmother, she would get upset, you know, anytime you bring anything up about my mother. So, you know, I was scared to bring it up. Mary Rutherford Adams and her husband Dallas were Karen's grandparents on her father's side, and they adopted her. I was a little over a year old, and um, my grandparents raised me after my mother had went missing. It wasn't an easy childhood or an easy life. Karen says that at different times throughout her childhood, her grandma would say those awful words about her mother and the murder. This was 40 years before she was identified through DNA. It raises so many questions. If her grandma knew what happened to Sanja Kay, why didn't she contact the police? Did Karen's grandma know more than she was saying about the murder? And if her grandma knew, did anyone else? You feel like you can't trust anybody and you don't know, you know, who knows and who don't know. And, you know, it's... it's it's a horrible feeling to feel like everybody knows something and nobody will tell you. If someone did know something, they weren't talking. According to police, no one filed a missing persons report for Sanja Kay in 1969. She disappeared from Letcher County, right next to Harlan. With her living so close, why didn't anyone make the connection? And why didn't anyone in Letcher County report her missing? Here's the thing about being unidentified. In her anonymity, Mountain Jane Doe was perfect, angelic. But in reality, Sanja Kay's life was more complicated. We found her divorce papers in the Kentucky State Archives that tell part of her story. It's a public record and a snapshot of a turbulent time towards the end of her life. In 1967, Sanja Kay married a guy named Roy Adams. About a year later, Roy went into the army. While Roy was in the military, Sanja Kay left him for his brother, James. Sanja Kay and James had a baby together. That's Karen. About a year later, Sanja Kay was murdered. Was Roy ever a suspect in the crime? I don't, I don't know if we could say Roy's a suspect. Sanja Kay's ex-husband, Roy, still lives in Letcher County. He wouldn't speak with us, but he did speak with Detective Howard from the Kentucky State Police. I think, uh, you know, in any case, any murder case for sure, any family members that would have been in contact would be looked at and asked questions to rule them out as being a suspect. We filed for Roy's military release paperwork, his DD-214. 
we found out that Roy went to Vietnam a month after the divorce. At the time of the murder, he was thousands of miles away. Roy didn't return phone messages, and his wife hung up on me. And we never got to speak with his brother James, either. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, as I've learned that James has since passed away within the last couple of days, so... Wow. James was the last person we know of who lived with Sanja Kay, and he might have had information about where she went or who saw her last. James died right before we got to Harlan in October of 2016. He had been sick for a while, and not long after the identification of Sanja Kay, he left town. He went out of state to stay with relatives. Was James ever considered to be a, a suspect or person of interest in the case? I don't, I don't, and I don't think that we could ever say that Roy or James, either one, was a suspect. So I think James had information that would be beneficial to the case, yes. Do I think he's a killer? I don't, I, I don't be, I, I'm unable to say that because I never had a chance to talk to him. Karen Stipes had been trying to get Detective Howard to interview James Adams since the identification. She says she gave him phone numbers and addresses where they could find James, but police never spoke with him. This is a phone call between Karen and Detective Howard a few days after James died. You said that you all had all of the evidence in the case. That's what got in my head thinking that maybe once I got it proved that it was her, you all might have evidence to go get whoever. Karen's talking about evidence from the crime scene in 1969. A restaurant receipt from Cincinnati and a piece of a man's sweater. They're gone. So is the opportunity to reach James Adams. Here's my feelings of it, okay? I've done nothing but try to cater to you for a year and a half and go the extra mile to try to, to try to solve something for you. And all of it is, it's turned around on me because you feel I've lied to you and haven't done enough. No, Josh, that is not the case at all. I have done everything I can for you. There's been times that you wouldn't even answer me a long time ago. You didn't even bother to call me back or anything. And I have kept after this for two years and something. And I understand that you have other stuff too, and I feel bad about it. And I wanted to help change that. I want you to have more police officers. But you can use this case to change the way things are done so that other people don't have to go through this and you're just pissed because I called and asked for the chief of police. I didn't say nothing hateful to you. Oh, I was just trying to ask and that's okay, Josh. I'm done. Do you think there's any chance that this will end with an arrest or prosecution? I think there's a possibility, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. So I'm not going to give up, and, and that's what I told Miss Stipes. You know, I, I know she wants somebody to be held responsible as much as I do. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm that kind of guy that says, "Hey, I'm going to put 100% effort to try to, to try to uh, to prove that." Do I think that it's possible? It's, it's very possible. Do I think it's, it's going to be a, a hard task? Probably the hardest task I've ever attempted. Undeniably, it's a hard task. And making the identification wasn't easy either. It took 47 years for the state police, but they solved that mystery. 
Their murder investigation, on the other hand, hasn't gone anywhere. They have no suspects, and there are other issues. The evidence from the crime scene is missing. There was a restaurant receipt and part of a man's sweater found at the crime scene. It's mentioned in the local paper from 1969. But Detective Howard says they're not in his case file, and he's not sure they ever existed. Right now, if you go to the Kentucky State Police website, they have a list of cold cases, unsolved murders in Harlan County. Sanja K. Blair Adams isn't on it. Missing evidence, missed opportunities, all of this is frustrating for Karen Stipes, but she isn't giving up on trying to piece together her mother's story and her own. She hoped her adoption papers would hold some answers, so she filed for them and sent them to me. So it's from the circuit court clerk, Letcher County District Courts. This is Karen's grandparents' statement to the court. They're asking for custody of Karen. The birth mother abandoned the child in the custody of the grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Dallas Adams. That prior to May 8, 1969, the mother of the child, Sanja K. Adams, has contributed nothing to the child's support and maintenance. That prior to said date, she abandoned her child, Karen K. Adams, in the custody of petitioners, and such abandonment and desertion... Has Karen's grandparents filed for adoption May 8, 1969. Sanja K.'s body was found June 2, 1969. The coroner said she had been up there around three weeks. The grandparents filed for adoption within days of Sanja K's murder. This is the same grandma that told Karen all those years ago that her mother was Mountain Jane Doe. Okay, so... Here's the part where I tell you we didn't solve the murder. That we can't prove who killed Sanja K. Blair Adams. We tried. We followed leads around the country and have a short list of people who could have done it, might have done it. But we can't rely on hearsay or an anonymous jailhouse snitch or a psychic vision to base our reporting on. And so many people connected to this case who might have known something have passed away. Like Karen's grandma, Mary Rutherford Adams. She died a long time ago. And whatever she knew about Sanja K for all those years, we'll never know. It took some dogged investigators, a unique government database, and the science of DNA to reveal the truth about Sanja K's identity and confirm what Karen Stipes knew all along. It just kills me to think about her being down there all this time unidentified. And that's why, you know, I'm happy that she's identified and I hope and I think we will be able to, I hope we get, give her the most honorable funeral ever. You know, I just wanna, and I wanna get her a nice stone and everything. And and uh, I just hope I can, I hope she would be proud. Karen plans to bury her mother in Harlan this spring. Sanja K. Blair Adams' story was a success for NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Person System. It did what it was made to do by finding a missing woman among the dead. 
NamUs works Jane and John Doe cases all over the country, and they've solved a lot of them. But their job just got a lot harder. The Department of Justice recently cut the federal funding that made Mountain Jane Doe's DNA identification possible. That's why the lab we visited in Texas, where they ID'd Mountain Jane Doe, stopped accepting cases from NamUs a few weeks ago. Unless they bring back the federal funding, people in Karen's situation could be stuck indefinitely without knowing for certain about the death of a relative. And there are more than 12,000 Jane and John Does in America today. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you want to try to solve an unidentified case, check out our Lost and Found app at lostandfound.revealnews.org where you can compare missing person cases with unidentified cases. You can also find information about what to do if you have a missing loved one at that website. It's lostandfound.revealnews.org. Our show was edited by Taki Telenitis and produced by Michael I. Schiller. The story came out of an original investigation by reporter G.W. Schultz and story editor Fernando Diaz. With additional reporting and production support from Scott Anger, Rachel DeLeon, Emmanuel Martinez, and Michael Montgomery. Special thanks to Carl Collier, WYMT, Lance Hale, the Kentucky Archive Center, and the Harlan County Library. We had research help from Lauren Grandstaff, Ginger Hervey, and Renee Hickman with the nonprofit Investigative Reporters and Editors. Our sound design team is the Wonder Twins, my man, Jay Breezy, Mr. Jim Briggs, and Claire C. Note-Mullen. Our head of studio is Krista Scharfenberg. Amy Powell is our editor-in-chief. Suzanne Reber is our executive editor, and our executive producer is Kevin Sullivan. Our theme music is by Camarado Lightning. Support for Reveals provided by the Reven David Logan Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, and the Ethics and Excellence in Journalism Foundation. Reveal is a co-production of the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I'm Al Letson, and remember, there is always more to the story.